There's no rules! No, this was going to happen. Uh, so we were spending some time on the TrackMan the other day, and there's a spot that's called slippage, um, which is a relative position of on the face of a wedge. So a wedge has a ton of loft. So there's a speed at which a player in their style of swinging the golf club, at which if he exceeds that speed, his spin rate could be 12,000, 13,000, and it could jump down to 4,000 like that. So... It's a very delicate spot, and so what you got to do Just is Just because the grooves find, aren't catching, correct? Right, because when you're going that fast with that much loft, sometimes it'll grab the face, sometimes it'll just kind of like glance off of it and barely touch it. And so trying to find that spot to dial in that distance control is huge. So when we first did it, his variance on them was anywhere, I think we were as low as 8,000. To what, 13,000? Yeah, we were from 8,000 to 13,000 with we, his wedges. We may have even been lower than eight. Yeah, we have one or two. I think we're down six and four, uh, 4,000. So what happens is when that spin rate drops that much, even if the carry distance is the same, the amount of like, is that going to go one hop, stop, and spin back? Is that going to go no bounce? It's just going to bounce and careen. So right. So we were, for like yeah, players on the golf course here when they're like, man, I hit that wedge perfect. How did it not stop? It's like, well, you hit it too hard. It's Correct. not that you didn't hit it good or that your motion wasn't good. Like, you made too big of a motion and had it had too much speed. And the club face with the lie and the shot and the distance you're trying to hit, like, it just literally can't keep up. And so what we looked at for Micah was a variance. Um, and so we were going at, like, 110. Was that one of our first yardages? Yeah. We're sitting at 110 going, all right, so it's jumping. We get it to carry 108 to 110. I mean, he's carrying it within two-yard windows, but his total distance difference was all the way up to 30 feet. So a two-yard, so that's six feet, but a total finish position of 30 feet difference, which if he's aiming at the middle of that and it's, you, it's 15 feet on either side if the pin's in the center, doesn't seem like a lot. However, what we did is we dropped that five yards – Went to 105, and so we're just underneath that range. He's carrying it between 102 and 104, and his variance dropped to 15 feet. But so now, and his imagine. spin rate went to we were what like 12 6, 12 4, mm-hmm. 12 8, 12 6, 12 5, and so now his variance and spin rate is two to 300 RPMs instead tight. of could potentially be, you know, a whole bunch of RPMs. And so when you're talking about finishing up a d- golf tournament. You're going, if I got a guy hunting up behind me, in the case of this last tournament, if he happens to get one of those spins too much or doesn't spin enough, and that guy hits him in tight, now Mike is putting from 20 feet, 30 feet, instead of putting from 10 and 15 or less. And that example is for a middle flag. Like, consider if Micah is playing, you know, what what was the stint, Micah? 13, you said? Yeah, 13. They were stented in that morning, and they were quick, but... It, it really, it, honestly, it felt amazing because I could slow my tempo down and really shorten my stroke, and it less room for error in my opinion. Control. So yeah, imagine so if Micah is experiencing slippage to a back flag on greens that are that fast, and now he's missed the BPN. He has limited options. He's over the green. Everything's maybe running away from him, or he has a big slope, or or whatever the case may be. Like. Yes, he hit it just as good as all those other ones, but because he's playing that wedge the wrong number, 
now he is absolutely torched as far as the strategy goes. And, and has so nothing to do with his skill set or a swing error. It has everything to do with you selected a shot at which point you don't have control over that very You're just trying to hit that club, and we're not picking on Micah here. We're using Micah as an example, but you're just trying you to hit that club. still want to go by six further than you need to be hitting that club. And the only situation that you would want to hit that club and create slippage is if you have, you know, let's say like for me, I hit a gap wedge about 118, 119, 120. If I've got 122 or 123 to a back flag here and I know that the lies tighten, it's going to land fairly soft even if it gets some slippage, it's still not going to go over the green. Right. They're so trying to hit a hard wedge, but it's not to hit a hard wedge that stops quickly. It's to hit a hard wedge that lands and has the chance to chase. And if it doesn't chase, it's under the flag or it's in the BPN or I have a 25-footer up the hill, but I couldn't take enough off of the next wedge up to, to hit be able to control even them. closer without taking long Correct. into a higher percentage of, 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 of miss, right? Do you yeah. want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, just the... Same swing, I mean, like we were working with the other day, um, hold, this hold off finish. If I'm going to swing a full wedge, like we were saying, it's going to spin too much. But when I'm doing the same exact swing, every wedge shot, the full, full hold off finish, the numbers were much more consistent. Right. And so it's... Did he hit it straighter, too? I think he did. Yeah, less so, curve, yeah right? there's less okay. curve right to lefty, too. So it's much straighter, much tighter. Um and so that's the kind of stuff, like, that's just an example of, like, super high-level detail. And those are the kind of things that we're looking at. Elijah was in there with him first. He's like, hey, look at these numbers. Like, this does – why is he hitting one so much shorter, so much longer, so much shorter than the other? I said, well, this is – we're back to the controlling distance here. And so finding that threshold. And unfortunately, like, you know, uh, we said on one of the podcasts with Scott, one of the first ones with, with Wilkerson – uh, I think he said, like, the PGA Tour players, they just want what's real. They, they only want what's, like, only tell me what's true. Like, Mike didn't really care that it was that much shorter. Like, man, that's all as far it's going to go. That's that's fine because I've got control over yeah. where it goes. They must be I listening think, to the podcast then if well, they want what's real. I was about to say, that what that's, you said? that's so interesting because you have people out here who are. They stole his phrase. What they just want what's real, it's or okay. maybe Scott just inserted that in a paraphrase. <laughs> they did. They did. It's crack, on a t-shirt. They did cracking dude. the code. Oh, sure they did cracking the code in Golf Digest yeah, last year. I'm just saying it's on a it's on a t-shirt. That's all I'm saying. We have the t-shirt and it's in my closet. So I will Scott say Scott said it first. I didn't hear it on tour. The interesting Seven. thing about what you just said about the, the the pros who are getting fit with Wilkerson, like we just want what's real. I find it so crazy the amount of people who are like, you know, it's my my uh, my club's bent to this loft, and it's you know I, I get this amount of launch and you know this amount of spin, and then like you get probably a Brooks Kepka who's like, is it just gonna get me closer to the hole, man? Like that's all I care about. Most of those guys don't really care about the numbers. Just tell me where it needs to be. And for Micah, like all I had to tell him to it was, hey, we now have a. 400 RPM spin difference instead of a 4,000 RPM spin difference. And you don't know when it's going to happen, right? And unfortunately, we're in a situation where, like, at that level of play, it's a difference between shooting 63 and 68. And difference between shooting yeah. 68 and 75. You get like, six or seven wedges around, right? right? And if two or three of them slip... Or that's spin half, too much, that's right? That's half your wedge opportunities yeah. pretty much gone. Because we know, like you already mentioned earlier, you know, we're talking about Victor Hovland coming down the stretch. Like, if he's got a 25-footer, like, he doesn't get to bank on that going in. 
Right. He's going right. to try to make it, but like the percentage is so low. Um, and I would add this too. Like this is a very specific example uh, in a very specific situation for a very high level player. But like Micah shot 63 today with six birdies and an eagle. Yep. No bogeys. Bogey free today. Well yeah. done. We can give him a round of applause. <laughs> yeah. That's, there you go. You know. <laughs> um, Going to get something with a five on it this year out here. We're going to get it done. That's the goal. Um, so, but those types of things happen in everybody's game every day, and they just don't see it, which is why with, with Phil, that example was like, well, where's the magic? I was like, you're actually you're missing it. You're looking for something that's super unique and special, and it's actually you're just going to hit this here, this here, this here, this here, and this here. And, you know, one of the things that's neat about the this is what's real uh, thing is, um, Wilkerson was telling us the number of seven woods and nine woods he fit for the PGA Championship was ridiculous. There's a reason Strixon is backordered on a lot of those clubs. Right. Yeah. Like, people are buying them now because, like, less fitters are selling three woods. Right. Yeah. So you're seeing... Well, they perform better out of the rough. Especially that thick. A you, hybrid doesn't do well on that. You can still hit them off the tee. Land and soft. They land soft into the super green. Super soft. They're super high, mm -hmm. and they drop super soft. I have no idea. But you can also flight them, too. I mean, I'm playing <laughs> they a, just go a regular flex. Faster. Are you guys having a conversation while I'm speaking? Sorry. Oh, that's <laughs> how I feel. So, but I have a regular flex 5 hybrid that I can hit high, but I can also hit really low. Slower than you. But, like, fast in relativity to, like, most people. Right. But but they're they're built in which that they have that softness and they have that playability. And they can work them both ways. And that's why those players are, are buying them. And now you see, you know, people that are following the tour pros. And when they hear more people are playing nine woods and seven woods and five woods and not three woods, then, yeah, they go. Yeah. Mike, uh, question for you real quick, kind of headed down this track a little bit, is – did you? What type of shot did you play when you played at Shoal? You primarily hit one shot the whole time, not and like occasionally veer off of that. No, not necessarily. Uh, I mean, prior to the week before, I had go more closer with your face. You got to the chew fade, on the mic. The yeah, fade is the natural shot for me, so the little five-yard cut is the the go-to. So whenever I was a little nervous or there was it was a tighter fairway, I tried to rely on my fundamentals and that cut. But any time it was dog leg and left, or I really had to hit that right to left shot, that's when I'd pull it out. But really, I mean, I wouldn't use that right to left shot unless it was needed or almost forced. Um, I always try and stick with my natural cut. It's my go-to, and I can I can confirm that it's gonna cut. I'm not gonna miss it left. If if only thing, it's gonna overcut and miss right. Yeah, it's it's funny because his teammate, where that's how we got connected, was Austin Jean. Austin's playing professionally right now, um, but. The way I would describe both of their golf games and where I need to keep them from the swing standpoint is I need Micah's golf swing. He needs to be able to hit a draw when he wants, but he plays a cut. Yep. Austin's the opposite. Austin needs to be able to hit a fade, but he plays a draw. And so those golf swings, if they lose that, like, man, I can't. I'm really struggling to hit this draw right now. I know Micah's not in a great place. If Austin's in the place of, like, man, I really can't cut it right now, then he's not Gonna all the way try. where we need to be. And Jack's yep. probably got a similar experience with having a couple of good rounds lately, too, where he may have felt differently over certain shots that he's hit a number of times, but 
under a little pressure, like coming off really good rounds, like you probably feel a very similar feeling to what Mike is talking about in his tournaments just within your own game, right? Yeah, the thing that uh, I noticed after I shot those two scores was, uh, first of all, I need to work on more, better mobility and flexibility and recovery with my back. But uh, I did notice that when I am not on, I will overdraw the ball rather than have a nice tight like 10 to even 25-yard draw can be stock for me. But if it's anything more than that, if I'm just hitting rope draws and I have to compensate for it, that's when you know, like, okay, we need to start straightening things out, straightening things out and hitting more straight shots, more tight tight draws. Be, yeah, you need to, like, practice more to get rid of that. Like, correct. That's not something you fix on the golf course, but you know how to play it. Correct. So correct. to the point correct. the other day, uh, last week, we were Jack was here, and I said, he's like, I said, I want you to hit a shot for me. I want you to hit a cut, and you couldn't hit it for a few swings, which means you weren't quite there. And so, like, I know that that shot is helpful to him. So modern-day golf instruction is largely you use the swing to change the shot. Old school, going back, like, pre-1980, was a lot of you use the shot to change the golf swing. And so particularly when you're dealing with an athlete, you can do that. If somebody hasn't, doesn't have many sports background or hasn't played very many ball-striking sports, then you have to be a little more specific with where – the technique needs to be but when you're dealing with athletes you can use shots that will actually force the brain will kind of figure out how to hit it and so that's one of my favorite ways to teach if i can and why do you think that's so beneficial in these days well you know i think we're inundated with information what we're doing with these kids um is most of these kids have swing lessons about twice to three times a month we have one of the girls has a lesson every single week with an instructor on technique uh most of them see their swings they're in some ways more well versed in technique theory than elijah is and he's played golf for longer than they have and he's been around me for a while and yet they can't perform they have they have the trainers they have the food and the diet and the water they have they have their sports psych they have um, the recruiting teams to help them and they have practice plans built by that whole recruiting team which is all like incredible stuff like it's what some of the best players in the world do except the thing that they don't have is they don't know how to play like they just they just don't fundamentally know how to make something happen it's like well I'm trying to make this swing and it's not working I was like well if it's not working then it, like you got to – the ball has to get in the hole. Like, you can abandon everything just to get it in the hole. Well, the reason why I asked that question, too, is – I love how Mike is just smirking, like, yeah, that's how I play. It's so great. <laughs> um, the reason why I bring that question up, and it was partly rhetorical, which, uh, but, I, I mean, all of that information is great, Scott, is because I think when you're dealing with an athlete who can – you're like, hey, hit this shot. If you hit it, then the athlete goes, oh – I can recreate that feel. Like, I can do that again. I can do that again. But it creates that self-empowerment to go, okay, what do I need to do? How do I need to feel? What do I need to think when I'm doing the shot rather than you need to be at three, six, and nine position all the time? Right. And the brain's processing 10 million bits of information every second. You know, I'm going to say that again. I knew he was going to say that. It's right? your favorite. Dude, What's I hear that? that like 10 times a day now that I'm like around Scott like and 10 hours a day. I know. And so, but the reason why I say that is Always like everybody wants to up. be so technical about something that doesn't need to be that technical. Like, it just can't be that. Like, your brain is actually more powerful than you're consciously like, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. I'm like, it just, it's simple. We, we did that with, with Jackson out on the driver range. It was like, he had this lesson, and we were done in 15 minutes, and he's like, 
uh, I'm going to go have a beer. I was like, great, we're done. Like, that was that was fantastic. So to keep the list short and simple, they're like, it can't be that simple. It's like, it can be that simple. Well, you also did that with the ladies' clinic this morning. Right. Literally, the command was hit the ground. Right. Like, that's all you told the girl to essentially do. Yeah. Hit the ground and put your wrist in this position at the finish. And it the the result or the, the outcome is going to be acceptable. Correct. And that's assuming you give them the right thing to do, right? Like, that's a tricky thing to do. Like, with Donnie, when he came in, uh, like, without getting into the hitter's dialogue, is hitters swing the golf club in a very different manner from a feel perspective. And unfortunately, everything that's out there on YouTube and everything that all of his friends and people are going to suggest to him are not going to fall in line with how hitters swing. That's why you all heard before we started this pod, I said hitters got to hit. Right, So that's a very different motion. It's been effective for him. And so all he has to do is fall in line with that. And so it is it is my favorite way to teach. You can't teach that way all the time. Um, I did a very technical lesson the other day with a guy with the, with the cameras. I did, we've got to do this in your backswing. We do this in your downswing. You do this at your finish. And here's how you check these positions. And, like, there's value to that as well. Uh, he was like a, like a multi- engine engineer or something right yeah like, and so like he wanted that process like i've played golf for 20 years yeah. like i want to have a lesson i want to be told i need to do this and this and this is like okay well, i'm going to give you that donnie's like that ain't i ain't gonna do that what so and so like that's the fun part about teaching is you have to figure out those dynamics for each individual person like bryson dechambeau wants to know every number to the nth degree that's just not going to happen for most players that are meanwhile out tiger's like yeah i just I take it off with my hands. Right. <laughs> or the whole conversation with Scotty Scheffler and, oh my God, and yeah. Tiger. Scotty was so confused. He's like, what What do you mean? Like, what's up with a no divot, Tiger? Huh? What? Like, For why, the, why don't you take divots? He said, like, well, why do you take a divot? He said, I don't know. I'm asking you. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what's going on. And so, but if we go back, I've told you the Hogan story, right? And Hogan, leading up to the Masters, uh, would go out to the driving range, hit balls, come back in, toss his money clip, right? Back then it was cash, right? Toss his money clip down there and say to the members at lunch and say, hey, if you can find the spot I was hitting from, money's yours. Nobody could ever find where he's hitting from because he was picking it so clean and his feet were so quiet. They didn't twist around and move a whole lot. You didn't know where he was sitting. He didn't take a blade of grass. Just pick, 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 and that was for Augusta. I can do that on a mat. I can do that on a mat. So, you know, it's... There's so much nuance. There's so much um, strategy involved with every single thing that we do. And if you're only looking at the swing side, you're missing out. If you're only looking at the strategy side, you're missing out. And somebody say to me, you know, it's just between my ears. I was like, well, I can tell you by physics and anatomy that that only has a certain probability of hitting a good shot. So we do need to clean up the technique, right? That's why those guys are still working to get better and better and better at their technique because there is variability. And if I can tighten up that variability window, like with Micah, the several thousand RPMs or the amount of times that that ball, that that club comes in toe down or toe up, like if I can take away some of those things, like it changes everything. Now, that doesn't mean the student has to know all of that. That's for me to know and for me to say, hey, Jackson, do this. Hey, Donnie, do this. Hey, John, do this. Hey, Micah, do this, right? It's very specific. And then Elijah's job is like, hey, what do I need to be watching for that you're working on with them so that I can monitor it or when they have questions about it, I can answer it, but push them to take advantage of it, 
what should I watch out for? What don't I know about the student before I walk into it? Also, what about their motion when they get on the golf course? Are they not committed to right that they're not committed to that I know that you're actively working with them on? Because that can tell you a whole lot about about a student right there is like when I know you've seen them two or three times and you've worked with them on one or two things, right? When I get on the golf course with them and I see the same miss that you're trying to get rid of over and over and over and over again, it it goes back to, you know, and I quote this religiously, chapter six of the champion's playbook, right? Like, are you committed? Like, do you have full confidence? Like, do you trust your decision, but do you also trust your technique? Do you trust your motion? And for all of those situations, when I'm on the golf course with someone who's actively hitting the same shot over and over and over and over again, I know the answer to that question at its core is no. (laughs) My job is to find out why. Yep. Right. Is it the shape of the hole? Like we talked about this for me. It's not my job to fix it. My job is just to figure out, well, why don't you commit to this when you're out here? Well, we did because this. Because you see it on the driving range. We did this at when we played Greystone on Monday. Like the holes that have a slight left turn or have some sort of feature that has a left turn, I tend to hit the ball a lot better on. And so, like, the ones that turn the other way, I have a hard time committing to unless I have a different club in my hand. And so, those are situations that I have to learn to recognize and then come up with a solution to deal with it or just. lock in a little bit harder and trust the motion coming up with a solution that you can trust and like a short story here but like my last like one of my last 18 hole playing lessons that i did last week the lesson was actually over before we actually teed off oh this is good i love this this is because the guy comes to me walks in the studio one day and he's like hey dude you're elijah right and i'm like yeah yeah yeah." like what's up he's like i want a playing lesson I'm like, great, that's me, <laughs> right? When do you want to do it? He's like, I want to play 18 holes, and I want to do it next week. And I'm like, awesome. Book him a tee time, book a lesson right there. And I'm like, so what do you want to work on? He's like, I need you to look at my irons. And I'm like, wait a second. You want me to look at your irons in a playing lesson? For four hours. For four hours. <laughs> And I, we played eight, yeah, we played 18 holes. So it was, you know, we, we promised 418 here. So we, we got it done in 417. I actually remember telling Jerry we'd be done at 418. And we finished a minute early. So shout out, you know, to Jerry. But bottom line, when we get on the driving range, he, he's like, I want you to hit four or five balls. Or, or he asked me, like, can I hit four or five balls? I'm like, sure, dude, whatever. He's like, I want you to see what you're dealing with out here. And I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go. And I don't know anything about this guy. And he hits like. And I, I intentionally told Elijah because he had taken some lessons back in 2020 and early 2021. I was like, I'm not going to tell you anything. He hits like two or three just like buttery straight balls. Like they maybe fall a couple yards left. He's a left-hander. And he's like, now here's where it gets really, really sticky. This is my draw. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, great, dude, go ahead, man. You know, let's let's see what this draw looks like. And it's a, you know, he hits the first one pretty good, and then he hits the second one kind of fat and drop kicky and flippy and all all the rest, right? So we get in the cart, and we got about five or six minutes before we tee off, and, and he goes, you know, I just don't really, like, everybody tells me I'm over the top. I'm like, well, you are. You are. 
you are over the top. Yes, that's absolutely correct. And he's like, I just don't know, like, every time I try to get on the golf course and I try to hit a fade because I'm over the top, like, it just doesn't go very good. I'm like, okay, which way do you miss it? He's like, well, left. I'm like, okay, sweet. This is easy. I'm like, what do you want to do? He's like, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, that's your problem. You don't know what shot you're about to go hit off the first tee box. And we're going to have that with these kids this weekend. You don't have a plan. We literally, like, it took him eight holes to finally trust it. But then by the time, like, I just, I, I literally, at the turn, we got the Champions Playbook out of my car. And I handed it to him on the 10th tee box. I'm like, I need you to read Chapter 6, like, in the cart while we're on this back nine. He shoots 39 or 40 on the back nine. He shot like 47 on the front. And it was literally just the difference in commitment to the shot that he was going to hit. It had nothing to do with anything strategy-wise. And it was very be, little, at least. Well, I mean, that's a strategy component. I mean, choosing your mind is a strategy component. But he right. hadn't decided the shot he wanted to hit. But we're it's doing, over before it started, really. We're doing this with one of our juniors. I had told him six months ago, I was like, hey, man, I just want you to commit to hitting a draw for the next foreseeable future it's the only shot you're gonna hit and then he'll show up and he'll be like all right watch i can hit this cut i was like no dude like you haven't even learned to commit to the one that i gave you to do and he's wanting to hit multiple shots like decide what are you gonna do what are you gonna be like micah's decided austin's decided elijah's decided this guy finally decided like have to decide i think that's what people are missing when it comes to their game is that mental component and the commitment because everybody thinks oh, when you start shooting in the 70s, it's because your technique has gotten there. Not, not necessarily. Like, it's about the confidence that you gain from knowing that you can hit the shots that you want to hit. And because of that, you will start seeing scores drop dramatically. I will say this. Strategically alone is the easiest. I won't say easiest necessarily because it's complex at times. But, like, in many ways, shooting lower scores can actually happen faster with Elijah than with me. So, like, my book was written on a six-week course. That's not a great marketing proposal, That's Scott. That's fine. I don't care. Like, I, Eliza, are you good with that? So, so you have – you have. it's the reason why I wrote my book. Like, that book is actually – was run as a six-week class. We did it twice. The And no lessons were allowed to be given during that period of time. And so – we took each class was a class, and they had the assignments between classes. The average strokes dropped was three and a quarter shots in the course of six weeks. All strategy, no swing technique, no nothing. Question incoming. Yeah, so the question was beyond technique. Is what you're saying mental confidence is what's getting you to shoot lower scores? Yeah, I mean – I don't even think, I think it's, it's both. I don't even think it's confidence. Like that's the word that's popular that everybody uses and it's kind of the easiest talking point. It's more about just choosing to trust. Like a lot of these kids have asked about right. the mental game for this coming weekend and Elijah and I are like, What do you mean? It's a choice. It's actually a choice to trust what it is you've been given to do. Now that doesn't make it easy. No. Not but at all. Like your choice is like, do I trust this? And it work, or do I try to stay comfortable? The single strongest human emotion is to be comfortable. It's not to be happy. It's to be comfortable. I've got a um, a question here for the competitive golfer in the room, Mr. Mike Estangby, mm. is when, especially in your recent tournament play, there's probably guys out there who are bigger than you, stronger than you, possibly even have better technique than you. 
don't you know. Talk. He's pr- Hold he's on. Hey, hey, technically hey, 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 here you go. Here you go. Come on now, Scott. I want to know, um, out of all of the people that you've seen, have you come across people who are bigger than you, stronger than you, probably more technically sound than you, and are probably shooting seven strokes over your score? I'd love to see you uh, just talk about in tournament play, how you see that, and uh, what you think confidence and commitment has to do with all that. Yeah, most definitely. So actually, funny enough, the guy I played with, I played with him all three rounds the last tournament in Alabama. He was 6'6", probably maybe 220. I'm over here at 5'6", 135, and he's out driving me 45 yards on the first tee box. And I just told myself it's not about how far, but how many. And found myself in the fairway the majority of the time, and he was in the rough, maybe in the trees a few too many times, but he, he fought back. And actually the final round, I had a seven-shot lead going into it, and he started off birdie, 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 lip out for birdie, birdie. Well, I proceeded to just make five pars in a row. So he tried to make a comeback, but the next hole, I, I birdied, he bogeyed. That's a two-shot swing right back into it. That's where you sealed the deal. And this is where, like, to me, that little work we did with the track man – I think that final round goes differently for you if that spin rate's under a little more control. Um, I think you make a couple more birdies in that front side um, before you sealed it. But, like, absolutely. Like, he's playing to his game, right? Like, I wish the kid we were talking about, like, was here to hear that, right? He's like, oh, gosh, this guy hits it so much further than I do. It's like, dude, you're, you're not – every time you try to hit it farther, your whole swing goes to – goes to junk and by the way we're asking that kid to back down on his distances so he has more control and we get a text from him going oh my gosh this is the greatest thing ever like i'm actually just i'm hitting it better than i've ever hit it like hey and hello and talking about that the past couple podcasts that we've that we've had we've talked about uh people like scheffler people like rom these people who are consistent winners on the pga tour a lot of the time I mean, they all have different unique swings, and they're definitely the best in the world at what they do. There's no question about that. But a lot of the time, I think it's a testament to Scheffler in last year's, uh, last year's tour how he had so much confidence, but a lot of that is instilled off the golf course and being completely detached from the outcome on the golf course, whereas you see a lot of people who choke, specifically, let's just say Kepka in the Masters, where I think that Rom was a lot more mentally stable than Brooks was. Yeah, I mean, it appears that way. Um, I mean, Kepka's coming into hostile territory, too. So you've got you've got that going, and then you have super slow play, which definitely doesn't benefit Kepka. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of variables that are there that I don't think we could speak to. But, I mean, you're talking about the toughest minds in the world. At the end of the day, they're choosing to play with what it is that they do and what it is that they have. And even they make some of the mistakes on decisions. And But that's... That's part of the process. Like you're going to make mistakes on swings. You're going to make de- mistakes on decisions. You're going to make mistakes on the mindset. You're going to make mistakes on preparation. The question is, do you continue to make them or not? And that's one of our big pushes this weekend with these kids. Is like, why are you all still shooting in 78? Like, if we had your golf games, we'd shoot, shoot in the 60s all I, day long. I guarantee you that their plane, like their their path direction numbers and their club face and their angle of attacks and their spin rates and all that – all six of them will be much better than mine. Yeah, we have one of them today. You it will, were doing be, it will be much better than mine. I, yeah, the guy I was doing a club gapping with is one of them today, and his numbers are much better than mine in relation to what is on plane and what is square. They are much better, but he won't 
even hang with me. And some of that has right. to do with short game. That's a part of it, but it's a lot to do with decision making. And talking about like finishing and being mentally tough and having that confidence all the way through, talking about that or lack thereof, I'd love to hear y'all's opinion on Zalatoris. Haven't heard of him in a while. He's injured. He's injured. But also talking about when he had that major run of two uh, of second place finishes. What do you think is the difference between him finishing and him not, and other people winning and him not? Well, I'll I'll say this from a technique standpoint. All of that extra movement here out of that is unstable. Like you can't keep doing that and keep asking your body to do that. No, yeah. his full swing. I think it's. I mean, I would putting for sure more towards putting. Uh, putting. Yeah. Yeah, I would put it more towards putting. Yeah. I mean, Tita Green, like the guy had great numbers. Like, yeah, like Scott's going to see him differently from a technique side. Yeah. But, I mean, I I I am learning the technique side, right? But like, I can sit there and look at that putting stroke and be like, man, looks rough. This dude's lost. Yeah, you know, no offense, Will, if you're listening here. No, but like, I mean, and even then, we're he talking. He probably at, knows that too. We're talking at that level variations in launch angle on a putter, which is back to the putting lab, right? Is to get in there. Um, I'm excited for uh, Micah to go through a full fitting with Wilkerson. Like, if you're one of our high level players, I don't want you to see anybody but Wilkerson. Like, he put a he put a stiff shaft in a lady who doesn't swing it faster than 65 miles an hour which is not in the books at all. But it changed the spin rate. It got the ball launched higher. It got the ball to spin more, which keeps it in the air longer. And she was able to generate the same amount of club head speed regardless. And actually, she was able to do, I think, three miles an hour faster with a stiffer club than she was with a more flexible club. But is that the normal? No. But you need somebody in that situation who can see outside the box, which is what I do on the swing side, which is what Elijah does on the golf course side. And we were probably too blinded in that situation to yeah even, we couldn't even we couldn't consider see that as right as an option right no I mean, we don't have the experience i would to have either. never went there I, I was like kind of sitting there thinking like what the heck is going on here like she doesn't need to get fit by scott right. wilkerson like right but she yeah. actually does 100 percent. yeah right i was totally wrong so um what was the question where am I? What am no, I doing? No, no. I mean, we were just talking about Zalatoris and the and, oh, yeah, and finishing and everything Zalatoris. like that. Zalatoris. Like, uh, I totally forgot about that, honestly. Yeah, I don't even know how we got where he did. But, no, I, I think putting's a part of it. Um, and, like, the dude worked super hard at his putting. I mean, if you remember him making the putt to win the golf tournament or to go into the playoff at uh, in Memphis, he was, like, turned around to everybody, like, what do you have to say now? Like, right? Like, he always believed he was going to figure it out. Are you not entertained? Right. It's just, you can do this. Like, this isn't easy to do, but you can get better at it. And he continued to work on it. Um, one of the things to his benefit is he placed the ball. We were, remember when we were watching his BPN numbers? He was always really strong in putting those in good spots, partly because Scott Fawcett's system uh, from decade is, is similar. Ours is more nuanced than that. Um, but puts the ball in places that he can putt from and has better putts at. So he can't putt a lot of these difficult, challenging putts, and he can't leave it in spots because his technique wasn't as good. So even though his technique wasn't as good, he was giving himself, by and large, good looks to the game that it is that he can play. But he's also a great ball striker and has right. some pretty amazing ability with a wedge Oh yeah, as well, right? Like 
his putting is by far the worst part of his game, but because the others are so strong, like it looks when he misses, week. you know, if, if if Scott's looking at it, like when yeah. he misses a BPN, like he has a higher probability of chipping it close enough from outside of that mark yeah. than other players do. When he has missed an OP, he has the ability to hit it in there tighter than most other players will. For sure. So it hides the fact that like his putting is not near as good as what most players is. That's great. Yeah, right? I love that. Any uh, closing thoughts, gentlemen? This has been a great pod. Um, I don't know. Other than, like, let us develop your whole game. I mean, that's a selling point, right? Like, let us develop the whole game. you got to stop just looking at it from a technique side. Like, you might have just missed something in the lie. Like, eh, yeah, I didn't hit that there. Like, the wedge we hit at at Greystone that neither of us hit very well. We waited for a while to find the golf ball to play. The ball was like slightly below our feet. The turf was kind of funny there. Like I felt like I executed the motion pretty well, but the ball flew kind of funny. It's like, eh, it wasn't really a technique issue. It was just I missed something in that situation. So don't. I still think the first lens you have to look at a golf swing from, once you know what your fundamentals are, like what do I need to do, is strategically what did – what could I have done differently? And strategy involves where was my mind? Just like the gentleman you were talking about, like he hadn't even decided what he wanted to do. Right. You know, so if your mind's not in a good place and like most of the bad shots that I hit at Greystone were because I was over the ball still trying to decide. So it wasn't even a technique issue. Lack of commitment. It was just, I didn't commit to it, but I'd never chosen the shot when I walked into it. So like it even goes back to, I can't commit to something that I haven't chosen. Right. So, you know, yeah. My big takeaway is that, like, my, Michael Block is an incredible player. Like, it was a great story. It was exciting to watch and see. And it, and it's also, I think, inspiring for for players that are not, you know, near the caliber as him. But that's what golf is all about. And I think we got to witness that this week. So that was really cool. That's great. Glad yeah. that's how we started. Michael Block showing out for – the one of us crowd, you know. Yeah, I mean, and uh, he's like and I appreciate the compliments, hat. but I'm I'm a long way away from that. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that Michael Block is just a teaching professional like Scott that just like got off his tushy one day and was just like, I'm gonna go try and play in the PGA. And I'll hit a just, bucket of balls a week and go play qualifying. Yeah, yeah I, I don't sure, know about that one. I think I think he he practices and plays a lot more than we than he lets on. Again, back to humility and humbleness right that he totally, has, totally. Right? but like, what a deserving figure to be able to be the face of it i love that mike any takeaways micah it was unexpected but awesome to be on the podcast this is my first time love it love it well thank y'all for being here appreciate y'all uh remember the no mulligans travel series is coming up we're gonna have a post about it on scott's instagram so feel free to comment on it or dm scott at s hassy golf two s's two e's if you want to be a part of the play with the pod no mulligans travel series so uh we got some special merch that's going on uh yep. link is below in the uh wherever you're watching this if you're on youtube spotify apple music wherever you guys are listening watching viewing subscribing we appreciate you guys thanks so much for being supporters of the pod and for those of you who are here live thanks so much for being here we appreciate all of you yeah yeah that's right so from uh reoccurring guest elijah scott jack and special guest micah thanks, guys. there's the thank special you guys guest. there you go appreciate you. we'll see you on the back porch of franklin bridge next wednesday nope it will be when this one comes out once a month once a month
I thought we committed to doing it every week. I mean, we can do we it could. every two weeks back here. Weather permitting, we will put out a Another post That's every, right. That's every, right. every week on Instagram. So thank you all so much for uh, showing out tonight. Thank you for listening, watching, viewing, subscribing. It's Josh. Oh, Josh. Jack and Scott <laughs> on the back porch. Josh. <laughs> I don't Please know. Please keep that in the pod. We're, oh, we're still good. Tate, Tate, keep it in. Tate, keep it in. From Jack and Scott. That's what I was doing. I was, I was uh, combining our two names. From Jack and Scott on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. We'll see you on the next time. Peace. It's one rule.